Welcome to the Clam Bake. Welcome to the Clam Bake. It's a fresh take on a question all this time. If a woman is alone in the forest, will she still be undermined? It's a sorority of equality. It's a bonfire of a patriarchy. Come on, your hands, bring your moms, bring your dads. Come to the Clam Bake with me. Well, the Clam Bake is the opposite of a sausage fest. And I, I almost said, I'm Lindsay Stidham. I'm not Lindsay Stidham. <laughs> I'm Angela Gallner. And I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists, damn it. Damn it. Each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Yo, being a human is tough. Yeah, and being a feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each other. So let's get talking. Welcome to the Clam Bake Clams. Welcome. Welcome. And uh, we got this question. How's your God. clam? My clam has been so sick. Not my actual vagina. My vagina is <laughs> doing great, but my body. Your been, essence. My essence. I've been really sick this past week. Um, I've slept 14 hours a night for like the past three nights. Um, and while that sounds great, losing like two thirds of your day to your bed has not uh, has not helped my businesswoman side of myself and is making me feel like I'm behind on all of my many jobs and behind on all of our many projects and it's okay everybody's got to rest sometimes I know but I just uh, <laughs> I don't like it I don't like uh, I don't like having uh, the the weakness the weaknesses Lindsay how is your clam? My clam is pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm going on some dates on the long Memorial Day weekend. Like multiples, I'll be honest. I've been working the OK Cupid real hard. <laughs> Proud of you. Thanks. Have you been using Asia and Rebecca's rules? Um, you know, I'm not forcing people to call me. That's like one rule that I'm like not doing. But, but they weren't necessarily. That was me kind of trying to impose that rule upon them. They were like, no, texting is okay. But they wanted yeah. the date. Get to the date. Get Although the that date. is one of Aisha's techniques is to ask uh-huh. for a phone call, which I do think is like a good idea to really find out somebody's intentions. And another professional online dater recently told me that as well. But I'm, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk on the phone. Either. I hate talking on the phone. I know. I know. So it's like if you're not going to follow your own rule, you can't like make that rule. But... Yeah, I well, I'm I'm not sexting as much. I'm not leading with sexting as much. I'm not leading with that. <laughs> I've like toned it back a little bit. Although I can't help it because I'm like really good at sex puns. I mean, I named this podcast. That's true. <laughs> so it's hard for me to like. It's part of my personality. I like like sex jokes, and uh, I found like an amazing feminist dude. I'm trying to keep him totally anonymous, but he works for like a democratic organization, oh my. and I'm really excited about this date. And I, I totally did a sex pun on him, and then he made a comment about it, and oh, he was shit. like, "Oh, that's naughty, but in a fun way." But now I feel weird, and you kind of hurt my masculinity. Whoa! And I was what like, was it? "Can you say what it was?" Oh my god, I'm gonna have to pull it up to like think of what it was exactly. Also, well, like- he he invited me to a drink on a rooftop, but he was like, "Hey, if it rains, I'll be sure to order." A girly cocktail so that you can use my tiny umbrella, which I thought was really funny. And so then he and then he gave me his phone number so that we could not chat on an app. And so then I said, hey, I'm looking forward to holding your tiny umbrella at the end of the weekend. 
And he said, ah! that, he said, that's really horrible in a nice way. And I said, puns are my favorite. And then he really like went off and I was like, oh my God, I've like already offended him. But like, this is how I interact with human men. It says, this is an example of the still relevant teenagers feeling that I have to control the pain. I was enjoying deprecating my masculinity, but when you did it, I felt menaced. What? And I was like, menaced? He's really good with words, though, so I know he's, like, kind of, he's, like, being a little tongue-in-cheek, but I was like, menace, sorry to menace you, just teasing. And then he goes, oh, you know how the fra- how fragile the male ego is. Like, we're having, ve- I'm, like, very excited about this because we're having philosophical conversations, and I go, I know, but the female gaze is in vogue. I'll only objectify you if you want me to. And then we went on a real long tirade about the female gaze and all kinds of things, so I'm excited. Wow. <laughs> well, kudos to him for being like, hey, that hurt my feelings a little bit. I feel like yeah. that's like a bold thing to say. It is. But I'm like, how do I interact with somebody when I cannot make I fun of them and they can't make fun of me? We'll just have well, to see Well, my what guess is that'll change once you like meet each other in person. And if you don't, then he's probably not the one. It's for true. You. If he's not going to let okay. me objectify him, I don't know what I'm going to do. Speaking <laughs> of uh, the female gaze and uh, objectification, have you finished I Love Dick? Oh, yeah. I watched it all in two days. Holy shit. I watched it all in two days. Spoiler alert. God bless you, Jill Soloway. How many times did you masturbate watching? Twice. That's pretty, that's good (laughs) self-control. It's wonderful. It's great. God, watch it. And just, like, also a tribute to, like, human desire, not just female desire. Like, Jill Soloway is so good at representation and... I mean, those two male characters, two men over 60, are are some of the most fleshed out, fully formed male characters I've seen on screen in They're great. a really long time. But there's also a trans plot line won't give anything away. Yeah. But like, I, I just feel like in general she's expressing human A trans desire. plot line without the trans aspect being yeah. the most, even even being really called out or being the most defining characteristic Never mentioned. of that character. Never mentioned. That character is a fascinating character yeah. and the, the, their gender ambiguity is just a very small facet of them and it's just really cool so good must a must watch Ugh. put it at the top of your also queue. really exciting because one of the actors in binge was in it gabby maiden yeah um who's she's this great gorgeous just free-spirited wonderful young woman and she plays one of the um one of the students, one of Kevin Bacon's students in it. Yeah. Everybody on the show is beautiful. I mean, oh, yeah. just bump it to the top, top of your queue if you want to have a real good time. Oh, it's so good. And, and have your vibrator handy. Have or whatever handy. tool or whatever you, you use. you use or your, hands <laughs> or your imagination. Yeah. We're, uh, Lindsay and I are super excited to announce a couple of things. Yeah, we should do some announcements. Um, number one announcement we're joining a network. Yeah, c- congrats us. Congrats us. <laughs> High five. Yeah. We, we got, are. We got picked up. We did. Yeah. Well, uh, this is probably a great time to announce it because by the time this one goes up, we'll be on the network. So we're joining What's a Creative. Woo! Which we're so excited. Uh, What's a Creative also hosts our good friend Caitlin Hempstead's podcast, Lizard People. You may remember that quirky, sassy, spunky little lady from our episode about Hillary Clinton conspiracy theories. Yeah, they host all kinds of good casts. We're excited to have their members on our cast and be on some of their casts, we hope. So stay tuned for a lot of mashups. 
And our second announcement is that we are going to start having some mini-sodes. Yeah, we're going to review some products for you guys. So if you have products you want us to review. Feminine-geared products. Lady lady products. Some of the ridiculous ones that are advertised to women. We're going to release those on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. And if you have product suggestions, hit us up. Such as the Go Girl that allows uh, women to pee. Standing up. Standing up. No squat necessary. We'll try them out and tell you uh, what's what about what what. Such as the camel toe. The camel toe creator. The camel toe that you can wear for fashion. For or fashion. For or for gender transition or yeah. for drag. Yeah. Or uh, just to make your vagina a little bit more present. So we'll try that out. I think we've got to try that one on public. Take some yeah, photos. Do some reviews do. for you. See what, see what the reaction is. So lots of new clam content coming your way. We're psyched about it. Today, we have the lovely Alexa Curtis. Hello. And Alexa is a teen influencer, a social media and culture blogger, an anti-bullying advocate, <laughs> and now the recent founder of a nonprofit. Yes, correct. So called cool. Mint, right? Called Mint. Media Impact and Navigation for Teens. Awesome. Um, We're so excited to talk to you today about all things social media and youth and social media bullying. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, 13 Reasons Why. Um, You've been doing a bit of a press junket uh, around 13 Reasons Why and the sort of complicated reaction to the show. Um, but first of all, we start with yeah, our we, we hot ask question. Everybody, this question when they come Everyone. on. So, are you a feminist? Why or why not? I am because as a teen bullying expert, a lot of my demographic is teen girls. So, I'm trying to find a place for them and stand up for them. And I think that's why I like to consider myself a feminist, is because I'm trying to talk directly, specifically to those girls. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, girls everywhere, but really that like demographic of the 13 to 17 year olds. Um, so I'd absolutely consider myself a feminist. And I feel like if it's 2017 and you say no to that question, I would be super curious why you say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I just feel like that would be kind of odd. I think all women should support women. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you might be a man and you might be a supporter of our current administration. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> I guess yeah, that yeah. is semi-understandable <laughs> if you're a guy. Like, if a guy were to say that, you'd be like, that's bizarre still, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, more, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting question to ask because we've had some men on the show who we're really uncomfortable answering yeah. the question and men that I find to be woke based. So it's, it's fun to ask this question. I'd be so interested to hear definitely all their responses. Cause I feel like you probably yeah. get so many different ones. We do. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. That's what I think. So listen to hear p- people's responses. <laughs> listen to <laughs> yeah. our yeah. episodes. Literally ever them. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm, I'm curious because you're 19, correct? Correct. Correct. Um, and you know, Lindsay and I are, you know, just a couple years older than you guys. Just like, you're just like, like honestly, I go just like years older. Because the skin is really good. <laughs> oh, so. stop it! Seriously, please. <laughs> I'm wondering though, because like I know I didn't grow up considering myself a feminist. I didn't really yeah. think about it and until I, I was probably like That wasn't like a word we used a ton when yeah. I was growing up. So. so I'm wondering, like, is there a sense in sort of your generation? a feeling about the word feminist? I want to say it's a trend. I feel like it's a trend that in five years from now we'll either be gone or we'll stay. And I think it's really up to this generation, like millennials, but definitely Generation Z, even the generation before me, to kind of figure out what they're going to try and follow. You know what I mean? Even in terms of everything from fashion to music. And I think 
you know, whether or not you're a feminist has a lot to do with that trendy kind of 2017. Mm -hmm. I'm a feminist. I believe in women's rights. And then I think, you know, 50% of people will in 10 years from now still be a feminist. And the other, you know, 50%, if it kind of trickles down the number next year, will be like, I'm on to the next thing. Whatever Mm -hmm. comes around, I'm on to. Do you think it'll be gone because we will have made progress or because we will have named it something different or? I think more that there's so many other topics right now, even with 13 Reasons Why, everything like mental health, body image. And I think that at the end of the day, there's so many topics that are coming out, especially in the media. And that if there isn't enough necessary attention to it, like right now, I feel like there's so much attention towards mental health. So Mm -hmm. there's not as many people as there was six months ago talking about being a feminist. And then I think the people who were kind of jumping on it as that, like, I want to be a feminist, who didn't necessarily know what being a feminist was, you know, they're on to the mental health thing right now. Right. Like the bandwagon, like people jump from hot topic to hot topic without actually putting the legwork in and and focusing on. But it's obviously like you guys. ADD, social media society. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy and psycho. But But damn, man, if you're on that feminist bandwagon and if we have not made progress towards equality in the next 10 years, stay with us. (laughs) Stay with us. Don't jump off. Please don't jump off. No. Hopefully it'll stay. I mean, I think it'll stay for the most part, especially with you guys, obviously. Your followers <laughs> and whatnot, but I hope so. I hope so. Never really know. We, we want to move forward towards equality, not backwards to the handsmaid's tale. Please, exactly. please, <laughs> please. Well, let's talk a little about you and about your unique perspective in the incredible work that you're doing. Um, how how did you start? How did you know that there was a career for yourself in social media? What was that journey like? And can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do now? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I started my blog when I was 12 just because I was pretty severely bullied, never fit in, and just wanted to create this platform for teens. And I mean, when, you know, when I was 12, that was like five years ago. I think I'm so bad at math. But feminist wasn't even around then. That wasn't even a term. So it's been cool to, I guess, kind of grow with social media as I got older and see a lot of these, you know, what sticks and what doesn't, especially in the media. Were you, like, writing that blog, like – were you intending other people to read it or was it more like a journal like to process your feelings? No, it was a journal to process my feelings. It primarily started as fashion first. So it was just a lot of like fashion pictures. Here's what I wore today and I would go to school and be bullied. And then, you know, my blog was the only thing that like I could write to and it was like nobody was really talking back to it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't this, you know, it wasn't this message like I think a lot of people who start blogs now have. Like I want to be famous. I want to make money. I didn't start a blog in 2011 to like make money. That wasn't even a thing. You were 12. So I was 12. (laughs) So, you know, I just started it because I love to write. And it was like maybe a little bit of survival. Clothes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Was it a Tumblr? No, it was on blogger.com. Okay, cool. cool. But now um, now it's on Squarespace, but it started on Blogger because that's free too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so as you went through the teen years, which are very difficult and Terrible. things <laughs> change really, really yeah. quickly, um, how did that blog evolve and how did your sort of uh, feelings about bullying and social media change and develop? Totally. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with just the message, like finding out over the past five years where I want to stand and be that voice for teens versus initially when I started as a fashion blogger and I thought fashion was really the only thing out there. I didn't think that there was this place, you know, that teens needed this kind of like relatable figure to look up to. So I think it just kind of evolved into something as I started you know, trying to get sponsors more like British Airway, more, you know, lifestyle based um, and, you know, talking about travel and things like food and body image. And I mean, that's how I found Binge, mm-hmm. obviously, was, you know, trying to do intense research about body image, who's in the space, mm-hmm. who else is kind of talking to teens. Uh, so it definitely evolved to be something really different than I was expecting it 
you know, to be, which is, which is awesome, but kind of cool that it was unexpected. Yeah. What was the catalyst kind of for the evolution of it? You mean like the reason? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know. That's a really hard question to ask. I would probably be able to answer that perfectly in five years from now. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. I'm still like evolving every day. Yeah. And really trying to figure out what I, you know, want this message to be. Obviously, it has to do with like the follow your dreams, the love your body, self-esteem a lot. But it's like, could it be deeper? Is there more there than just that follow your dreams perspective? Uh, but I think, you know, the transition part was just me getting older and me getting more experience in the industry, going to things like fashion week and being around these models and these, you know, FIT, you know, not to obviously put them down in any way, but, you know, just being around that and it was just so superficial Mm -hmm. and I just was like, this is not, there's so much out there that's not, you know, fashion and dressing up. Mm -hmm. And that's where I realized that's what I wanted to kind of focus on more than the fashion. It's so interesting because starting with fashion, um, it feels like you could have gone one or two ways, right? You could have really, um, you could have really followed the trends and uh, leaned into the pressures to be X body type totally. and wear like these stylish clothes and exist in this certain way. But instead, you were able to have the self awareness at such a young age to say, no, 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 this feels unhealthy to me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this medium, this social media, this thing that is ballooning and is huge for my generation and I'm going to find ways to combat those pressures. Yeah, you're so right. And it's interesting that you even say that because I just find there's so many people now who just don't have something deeper than, you know, a website, this goal to move to whatever city and be famous and all these different things. But there's so many issues in this world that need to be solved. And it's especially my generation. I mean, every generation obviously can, you know, help um, help any issue. But this generation is, you know, the game changers. This is the people who have access, who grew up with social media. And social media plays such a huge role right now in everything. Do you um, consider yourself a millennial or a Gen Z? Probably a Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess it's kind of both. It's that like nine, now that I'm 19, it's kind of, I guess, a little bit of both. But I want to say you guys are more, like you're definitely millennial. millennial. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think it's after eight, 85. It's a mil- It was something like after 1985, you're a millennial. And then Gen Z is like 97. I don't know. Okay. I might be wrong on that. I'm 87. Yeah. So I'm a millennial. Even though I don't super identify with it because I didn't have a computer until I was like 13. Exactly. I feel like that <laughs> term is like... Like we didn't like, have a computer in my house. No. Facebook. And Gen Z I got are... Facebook before my freshman year of college. Yeah. yeah. You probably yeah. have MySpace. Yeah. Well, yeah. People have to put people in boxes and we don't have to be any generation. We don't want to be. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to sum up the work you are doing into like a thesis, that's a good question. What would you, yeah. Well, I try and consider the Mint, which is the nonprofit. Um, You know, we've got a mission statement, which is really just trying to, you know, bridge the gap between social media and mental health and try and put it in front of teens and their parents, try and give teens and their parents a place to go for advice on every topic relating to mental health and try and, you know, deter the amount of people who feel so insecure talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, on a different note, especially in the media, seeing all these celebrities like Kid Cudi, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato talk about it, it kind of backs us up a bit, which is Mm -hmm. sad to say we need a celebrity to back up the whole mental health discussion. But having key kind of game players like that be able to talk about their issues makes, I think, a lot of these teens and their parents be like, okay, this is, you know, a trend in a sense, the whole mental 
health discussion, but it'll just keep evolving. Um, so I guess in like a short form, I would just try and say creating this platform for, you know, the conversation between social media and mental health for teens and their parents. Cool. That's really awesome. This Thanks. is a this is slightly off topic question, but yeah. I just out of curiosity, did you keep your very confessional blogger content? Have you kept that live as you migrated your site? Absolutely. I have cool. all of it. So I think that's really important too. It's even looking back and I'm like, oh my God, I was stressing so bad and I was like, this is like I just don't even know what I was doing, but it's kind of cool, I guess, to yeah. see how you evolve. Yeah. It's oh, very yeah. That's cool. such a wild time capsule. I think it about is. that too with yeah. younger, you know, younger kids like yourself. You're literally growing up online. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. wild. It's crazy. Kids are basically born with cell phones. You know, it's like eight yeah. months and they, they're, you know, their parents are at work and they want to like give the kids something to do. So there's no nanny, there's just a cell phone. And it's just like, yeah. you know, there's no babysitter or whatever. Just be on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Controversial. What do you, how do you feel? I mean, you depressed. don't have to be, you kind do. Of depressed. Really? That makes me really sad because yeah. the stuff that's online, the stuff that I see, I mean, I'm addicted to my cell phone. Oh, me too. And it's, even that is like disgusting. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to deny the fact that it's so gross. Um, So that's why I try and, you know, really preach that. Don't necessarily, like, you don't, I'm not trying to say turn off your cell phone. I would never turn off my phone, but you need that one hour. A week, I tried, you know, this thing lately, which is taking every single Sunday off my phone, no social media, Whoa. and I wake up every Monday. I feel like a new person. It's really crazy, but it's phenomenal that it's like. But then, it, you know, all those feelings come back again the minute you turn on your phone, and it's like there's all this stuff, and there's emails, and there's posts you miss. But then at the end of the day, it's like who cares? Like somebody posted something, like whatever. It's just a post. Right. Be a million more emails and a million more posts. Yeah. So. Well, you've been spreading your mission statement with. Mint and even pre-Mint on like some amazing shows like the Today Show. Yeah, thank you so much. So we're going to play a little clip of you on today (laughs) talking, uh, giving some advice to parents. Thanks. (laughs) Are you a parent of a tween or a teen and you want to know exactly what your kids are thinking? Well, we've got a treasure chest of knowledge right here with us. Yeah, Alexa Curtis spent years in her bedroom in small town Connecticut turning her hobby of blogging into a full-fledged digital career. All right, today, kids, she's 19 (laughs) years old and a teen influencer and entrepreneur. And Alexa's here to tell us to tell you what parents need to, to know. know. Thank you. So this started from Thank a blog? You yes, a little small town blog, and I'm here with you guys. So what, what were you blogging about? So it primarily started as fashion. Now yeah. it's turned into more lifestyle, but I really just wanted to inspire young adults to follow their dreams and yeah. do what they want. All right, so we're going to break this down into categories. Yes. And the first has to do with independence. Now, totally. there are tons of helicopter yes. parents who we know, understand, don't let you breathe. No. Um, give, and this give, is sort of a new advice. thing. And Your generation's the first. Absolutely. It's really happening a lot with our generation. And what we're trying to show parents is they have to teach their kids, have realistic expectations, Mm -hmm. inspire them to get outside of their box, do what they love, but show them they can strive for perfection. But perfection is not always attainable. So what do you say? So your mother is like, I'm going to meet you and sit and watch you have basketball practice. It's too much. So what do you say? You got to back off. You just got to be like, mom, be honest with me. Tell me when I'm doing great, but also respect my privacy. Mm -hmm. You want them to trust you, not try and run away and rebel against you. Try to get you an internship or try to right. do too all much. that exactly. stuff. Too much exactly. pressure, I think. Because I think kids totally. do want their parents to feel like you want to feel the love. You yeah. want to know that they're involved. But just not a little too bit much. of you need to not yeah. go Boundaries. overboard. All right, all right, let's move on down to because a really important one social, social media. media. Yeah. So this yeah. is totally my area. And what I try and tell parents from a young age, teach your kids about the access they have to social media. Show them again that what they see online isn't always real. Strive mm-hmm. to be the best version of yourself. Like, like how? Uh, yeah. In 
terms of, I think, a lot of the fitspiration and thinspiration things that we see on, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, Instagram and Twitter, but it's not all real. But also, you know, I think online bullying is yeah. something that I worry about yeah. for my girls at some point. Yeah. You know, bullying is a big thing, but it starts with opening up the discussion. Start talking to so your what kids. Should, what should we say? What should yeah. we tell these our kids? Yeah, so sit with your kids at the dinner table. Scroll through some of these feeds like Twitter and Instagram. Show them, oh, this is a great perception of what somebody wakes up yeah. looking like. This isn't such a great realistic expectation. Right. And show them that it's okay to be who they what are. What age do you think kids should have a phone? When do you think, what do you think? I think I got a phone, a flip phone at age 12. Now I think kids get them at seven, okay. four, six. Oh no, not four, not four. <laughs> All right, really a little further four. Right, Maybe let's, age 10. Let's Okay. That's so incredible that you did that. That's Thank so you. great. I'm so sad Kathy Kathy wasn't there though. Kathy Lee, man. She when Kathy Lee and Hoda life. are together drinking Ooh. wine, it is just too good. I know. It's so good. <laughs> it was really sad. She was like a last minute swap. Yeah. Know, yeah. It's still very cool though. Hoda, yeah. Hoda I, you know, I feel for her. Kathy Lee just, she really digs in sometimes. I know. So I know, shout out to Hoda. They are. This. Shout out yeah. to Hoda. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome and, and fascinating. Like I, uh, have worked with kids a lot and I'm always in shock about how young that they have a cell phone now. It's, it's incredible. Crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Like five, six is accurate. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that the world I think is turning that way because I don't think 10 years ago, anybody really expected phones and technology to evolve this way. I mean, obviously it's really important that technology you know, keep evolving and the world keep evolving. But the cell phone things with kids is just scary. Yeah. Yeah. When do you think, do you think that there are red flags or, or moments that it starts to cross the line? You mean with teens, I guess, kind of yeah. using? Definitely. I think if it has to do with, you know, when you go out and you, I mean, I see it every day. You see, a, you know, a group of kids at dinner and they're all on their cell phone. Nobody's right. talking. And I was actually at a cafe a few days ago in West Hollywood and I was sitting next to a friend of mine recognized who I was with one of like these big YouTube kids and we were sitting next to him and his friends. None of them talked. It was all, they were all on their cell phones and I was like, okay, whatever. But the minute they all got up, I was like super close to them at this table. They all like simultaneously got up but nobody said like, let's get up. So I was just like, it must be this weird, they're either something on their phone, like <laughs> wow. nobody was like, maybe they texted each other. Maybe they texted <laughs> each other. There was something which is like kind of odd that you were all at, you know, getting food and nobody was talking to each other because you're all on your phones yeah it's such but. a catch-22 though because i can understand a parent's perspective of being like i want to know where my kid is exactly i want them to be able to call me whenever they can exactly but you still can parents out there you can still buy a phone that doesn't have uh, all the bells and whistles right but here's the thing i feel <laughs> like if i was a teen now and my mom said, you can't have a smartphone. I would throw a motherfucking fit. Yeah, I would be exactly. like, are you kidding me? This is the world that we live in. And I need to have, I need to be keeping up with the apps. This is where yeah. the money, this is where the future Absolutely. of careers well, and the talking, economy like, is going. I was talking a little bit like little kids so that they're not staring okay. at their phone all the time. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. When you're, If you're a teenager, you're going to want that smartphone like 100%. And that's what we talked about on today, which is an interesting topic that they asked me to talk about, which was the helicopter parenting. Mm -hmm. Because there is such a fine line between controlling what your kids do um, you know, versus like giving them space, but then there's too much space. That's something we see in 13 Reasons Why. It's like, yeah, exactly. Was there too much space there? Could that have been prevented? But at the end of the day, parents, friends, you don't know what the kid is dealing with, and they might deal with it with or without the cell phone. Right. So it's using other tactics that try and 
you know, remove the cell phone from the picture to try and battle whatever they're dealing with. Yeah. 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 I have uh, cousins who have teen parents or yeah. teen kids and they still they will only allow them to have Facebook if they're still allowed to sign in, which I think is so tough because it's yeah. a violation of privacy, but you also want to protect your kid. It's such a tough line thing and at the end of the day how do you really know and again i feel like a lot of parents don't know what's even on facebook and now no. you're like fake instagram so if my mom's logging in on facebook unless she sees like something in the status that's like you're a bitch or whatever she's right like, oh, this is fine but there's messages there's like comments but my mom would have no clue where any of that stuff is right located yeah. on facebook so what is your ultimate advice of like writing that line of letting your kid have the freedom to create their online identity yet try and be there for them exactly i think the most important thing i try and tell parents is to talk to your kids without the cell phone and make it a comfortable place for them to go to you with whatever they're dealing with because then you don't have to invade on their privacy you know parents should be able to trust teens and teens should be able to trust their parents but if you don't create that setting you know from the minute kind of they're born from the minute they get access to a cell phone it makes it really difficult come 13 14 15 16 for you to all of a sudden jump in and be like now I'm involved now I want access to all your pages but why didn't you start from the beginning giving them this you know community this place where they felt like they could talk to you when they didn't even have access to the cell phone right it's tricky too because those those years are like crucial for separating from your parents exactly for establishing your own identity exactly and if you go you know on everything and you're following them on everything it's just too much right way too much and there's a culture and there's a language that's mm-hmm. like very specific to each of the social media platforms exactly man i can't even keep up with all I the abbrevi- can't abbreviations either. those abbreviations man what would you guys say for your <sighs> advice obviously being a little bit older than me but for parents i don't know i think what scares me the most and and Lindsay and I um, were a writing duo, and we write young adult content. Yeah, uh, and we write we for write women for largely, women yeah. largely yeah. for women. Um, and the script that you know we're developing right now, um, there's there's like thirteen reasons why there are. Uh, there's a sexual assault that yeah. is that is recorded Absolutely. and is you know and and I think that's what's the scariest thing to me is um that you can be sexually assaulted on the internet now yeah and that really yeah. scares me so much um there is no I mean I uh, the reality is is we have to accept that there we Living in the world we live in today, we give up privacy. We yeah. full on, we are complicit in giving up our privacy, Absolutely. which is um, scary, but mm-hmm. we also have to be aware that that is the reality. Like, if you just even want to buy something online, and the reality of life today is that you're going to buy something online, yeah. you've given up a huge, you've sacrificed a huge portion of your privacy just doing that. Exactly. And no one is safe. So, to not, I feel like, I, I don't have a child, uh, but we definitely have thought about this a lot of, yeah. of growing up in the age of social media since we write about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like exactly what you're saying is like you have to have tough conversations really early. Exactly. Really early. Uh, like I would say with a woman at, at age 12, you're going to have to have those conversations about valuing your body exactly. and respecting your body and protecting your body yeah. even from the Internet. 
with it's, photos and everything. It's totally. just it's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's especially being in schools too and talking to, you know, seeing how faculty respond to when the word like cutting and sexting comes up. And sometimes they try and stop us. I have somebody else who speaks on the panel with me who's a therapist. And sometimes they just immediately try and like stop us. Like I see their facial expressions just drop. It's like, but it's like you have no clue what cutting and sexting is because you weren't born in this period. But right. all these right. kids in the front row, their heads are just dropping like, oh my gosh, I know somebody who's done this. I've done this. But, you know, the faculty are trying to ignore the fact that kids are dealing with this. Maybe they're scared of what parents and stuff are thinking. But, you know, it comes down to stop ignoring these issues. There's no point in ignoring them. And I think it's, it's you know, and you see this in 13 Reasons Why, which I'd love to segue into yeah. shortly. But But there's this sense that oh, high school's tough, but we got through it. Kids are just dramatic. Kids are just emotional. No, I was a teen cutter, and I was not being dramatic. I was in pain, and I was in danger. Yeah, and what, I mean, who do you wish had talked to you? Like, what do you wish could have been done? I wish, I mean, I'm sorry, Mom. I love you. You did everything you possibly could, but I needed to go to, I needed to go to treatment, and I I needed to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, it's really good to hear you admit that because there's so many kids I know now even who, you know, so many people, so many close to me who I see and I'm like, you really need to be in treatment. But, you know, the But there's a stigma around mental, exactly what we started talking about. There's a huge stigma, even just talking about it, which is a shame. And, you know, and also right now at risk, we're going to be, we're at huge risk of if it's something that's even going to be covered anymore, which is even more insane. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's super sad. It's mental health is health. Period. Exactly. It's just, yeah. So exactly. I, it's awesome. Your mission is awesome. That yeah. You want to really talk important. about it all the time. Well, shall we dive into 13 Reasons Why? There's all kinds of ways to feel lonely. I know what it feels like to have people judge you. If one thing had gone differently somewhere along the line, maybe none of this would have happened. She needed you as a friend. That's what should have mattered to you. Anna was crying out for help. Settle in, because I'm about to tell you the story of my life. More specifically, why my life ended. I hope that with this story that, like, more people will, A, talk about the issues that we're presenting, but, B, that they will also understand that there is life after whatever they're feeling. There is life after high school. There is life after that exam. There is life after that party or that photo or, you know, that boy. There is... There's always going to be more. Clay really, really, really liked Hannah. They had a very, very good friendship. What was ahead for her? If she'd have just lived for five more minutes, anything could have changed. Is Hannah telling the truth? What do you think? Did you do what she said you did? Did you? For the rest of the podcast, Alexa is joining us on the phone due to some technical difficulties. Um, but we're going to jump right into discussion on 13 Reasons Why. Uh, so we just played the clip. And um, Alexa, I know that you've been doing somewhat of a tour speaking on this. Uh, I guess starting at the beginning, um, what are your opinions of the, of the film overall? Yeah, um, for me, initially upon watching the show, I just had gut feeling that it glamorized teen suicide and I kind of asked a few of my friends and they were like you're nuts like this show is amazing this is what we needed and then about a week and a half after the show came out um there were some people that started to you know write articles and write tweets with a similar line of thought 
And that's when I was like, you know, I'm really onto something. And now they have, you know, put a disclaimer coming out on the first, you know, on the next season to say that it's not suitable for some ages and people. So I'm glad I stuck with my initial thought. You wrote this incredible Rolling Stone article that we'll we'll link in the show notes, um, and it caused a little bit of a stir because you you were one of the first people to sort of uh, say that that the show could be uh, potentially problematic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that article? Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for the kind words. I oh, yeah, um, thought. Sure. So I that was the idea that I had. So when I was contacted by the editor, I was imagining, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to bullshit this or sugarcoat it because it's too serious of a topic. I was like, I'm just going to, you know, email her my thoughts. And if she doesn't want me to write the article, I won't write it. Write it. So when I emailed her back and said, you know, I think it glamorizes teen suicide. And then she was like, okay, that's great. Right on that. I was like, okay, so there's definitely at least, you know, two other people out there who agree with me, even if it's only the team at Rolling Stone. Um, and then, so I wrote this article in like 40 hours, published it. And it kind of went viral on Rolling Stone because it was the first it was the first article that had that perspective on it. So it definitely set it apart from other articles praising the show. And I was scrolling through the the comments on the the Facebook page of Rolling Stone and I was just shocked. I was shocked that there were so many people who were really putting down my writing. Mm-hmm. When the whole concept behind the show is trying to avoid bullying in social media and here's, you know, a teen girl writing an article and getting bullied for writing it. So I think that the article, regardless, brings up an even deeper message that we have a serious issue when it comes to bullying and really trying to kind of hurt people mentally through the web. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any way to separate entertainments more clearly for kids versus triggers. Um, I have an article up right now that there was a, there's a teen that after watching this show, she mm-hmm. wrote on her school classroom in Canada, I'm going to die. You're not going to miss me. Uh, which is a line directly from the show. You're not, you're, I'm going to die. You're not going to miss me. You're not going mm-hmm. to notice. So clearly this show is triggering for like a lot of people yet, you know, the people behind the show probably thought they're like, okay, we're going to open up discussion. So how do we help teens kind of like make the difference and draw the line? Sure, that's a really good question. And I think the thing about this show is because it was backed by such a popular celebrity who's had her own experience, you know, experiences and has been so vocal about her issues with mental health and depression. I think it makes it a little bit more relatable for teens, even though they might watch it and feel bad about it, knowing that, you know, somebody like Selena Gomez has openly talked about her struggles makes it more relatable and less less of this you know, glamorous kind of edgy show. Uh, but I think it really comes down to schools and parents talking to teens openly about the show whenever they watch it and really trying to get the discussion deeper than the drama that comes from the show. So I would definitely say it's really crucial right now that for the next year, schools start incorporating this as often as possible into regular school discussions to avoid girls like the one in Canada who write, you know, and feel like they want to do that. It's a really fine line, right? Because 
it's important, and I, I, I believe very strongly as a writer, as a creator, as an actor, that I want to make content that deals with real things, real issues uh, mm-hmm. that looks at sort of the icky parts of life that we're not always totally comfortable looking at. But it's a really fine line because in order to get someone interested in watching a show or putting money behind it, you need something that's going to be a little clickable or Instagrammable, um, something that's going to be flashy and get people to watch it. And I think that imposes, you know, there's got to, you almost need a certain level of salaciousness and 13 Reasons Why was like very salacious. Like it was dealing with these really heavy topics, but I was hooked as if it was a soap opera, you know? Uh, Yeah. And I think that's the thing about this day and age is we're living in a day and age where People are so attracted to the concept of viral content and overnight success, and that enables people to portray and be this certain way on the internet that's not necessarily them. I mean, Katy Perry just did a live stream of her therapy session, and I was so intrigued to see. Yeah, it was really interesting. If you haven't seen it, I really suggest it. I've watched some. You're going to not turn it off if you start watching. Holy shit. (laughs) It's it's. You know, it's crazy, but it's like, why is she the only celebrity that's showcasing what this world is like and what it's like with that, you know, overnight success? She didn't, she's not somebody who necessarily had overnight success, but she's showing what it's like. You know, she's a real human. She's dealing with these real things and nobody sees it because she's standing behind this Katy Perry concept. So in this day and age, it's a very, very kind of sad time for people growing up in this world because they are quickly realizing that, you know, everything is this filtered reality of life and, you know, behind the filters, what is there, you know? Yeah, we can really construct in real time the way that that the world perceives us. It's not just celebrities who who have access to cultivating an image anymore. It's all of us. We're all constantly branding ourselves and cultivating our image and it's exhausting and it's relentless and it's, and it's, and it's fake. And I think it can really contribute to pushing down the feelings of depression or anxiety or, you know, this and that. I, I, I think it can lead you into this sort of frantic cycle of repression Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's detrimental to people who, you know, it's detrimental to adults, but it's detrimental to people who are even, you know, who are teenagers haven't even found themselves and they're trying to battle the, you know, the ways of the Internet. And it's kind of like it's impossible for them to do that because they have such terrible role models, you know, and many of those role models are, uh, you know, Internet based celebrities who they find they have some connection to, but at the end of the day, there's no connection. I mean, you don't even know if this person's even real. They're all on the internet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the spreading of the, like, Kardashian-style makeup. Like, like everyone on Instagram starts to look like a Kardashian um, is just, like, one example of how sort of trends can really sweep sure. the world via social media. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, this, Due to the internet, um, there is so much opportunity that people have, but it brings up this new type of comparison that wasn't around before social media. You know, you had to know somebody really to compare yourself to them or know somebody in a magazine. And now it's like you're kind of comparing yourself to people through social media and it can just be really depressing. And I think a lot of people have, 
you know, feelings about it they didn't ever really think they would have. Definitely. Definitely. Um, circling back to 13 Reasons Why for a minute, um, Teen Vogue has a great article out right now about uh, – uh, su- suicide attempt survivors commenting on the show, <laughs> which is fascinating, mm-hmm. and what they got right and what they got wrong. Uh, I highly recommend it. But it is a proven fact that suicide is something you can catch. Like, it is contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that by putting up that warning, they made a difference? I would say no in a scheme of things because of the fact that it's almost too late. Like, the damage is done. That's almost like... Kim Kardashian not testing her own beauty products and, you know, 300,000 people buy it and they get some terrible rash. And then she's like, the next set of products, I'm like, you know, here's what's in it. I mean, and it's kind of like the damage is done now. I mean, like, you know, what's that term? Uh, Not too sorry, too late, too, um, too late, (laughs) you know, yeah, something like that. Um, I think it's too late. I appreciate that, you know, the efforts going forward, but everybody's already seen it. Right. And I also can't help but kind of like roll my eyes at wh- how is a disclaimer going to stop a teenager from doing when has a disclaimer ever stopped a teenager from doing anything? You know, like it's it's just words up on a screen. It can't compare with the, quite frankly, gorgeous cinematography, the intense music, the yeah. wonderful acting and the like very compelling storyline that that I think is immensely triggering. I, I just don't. Yeah, think, I mean, I yeah, totally. Yeah, what I think say? I think without even the backlash, I don't even think they would have put this disclaimer up, and I think that's kind of scary because um, I think they would have they would have just gone, you know, proceeded with the second season had you know people like me not started writing about how this show is not all like beauty and glamour, right? Um, so they are in production on on a second season. What things would you like to see change? I would like to see the way that the school and the therapist are represented um, because I think that that game gave such a terrible perception to teens on what people and, you know, older people are supposed to do when you try and uh, talk about a rape or you try and talk about a sexual assault. I'd like to see that difference. And I'd like to see more deeper thought process behind Hannah and what she was going through because they didn't properly represent the depression she was obviously facing. They made it like she wasn't even depressed, but you don't just wake up one day and think like, I'm going to kill myself. But on the other hand, like she's dead. So is that even really possible for her to, for them to, to show? Yeah. And I think also inherently problematic is the fact that she's dead, but she's also the central character mm-hmm. and we hear her voice. Like when, when you're dead, sure. you're dead. You're out of the story. You don't get to participate mm-hmm. in it. And because of the structure inherent in the show, her death doesn't feel real. She's with us. Sure. I mean, that's what I wrote about in the Rolling Stone article is that this girl is living on through the show. You're not even seeing the depression that her parents are facing, you're seeing all of the drama behind it and the attention she's getting. So it didn't properly represent what happens in a suicidal instance. Yeah, she's an unreliable narrator because we're seeing her always through somebody else's yeah. eyes in the show, which in storytelling is a great device to keep watching, like 100%. But it's like in a season mm-hmm. two, do we get to possibly get to know reliable Hannah? Like, 
unfiltered sure. Hannah, just from her actual point of view without being through somebody else's filter. For me, I would love to see something like sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a huge challenge to the people behind the show, for sure. It's not going to be easy to pull off <laughs> after they've set no. up this very clever device. But yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Teen Vogue article um, ends with like a really intense quote from a teen uh, named Desiree, who was one of the um, attempted suicide survivors. And she says, uh, I've also heard people say that the show made them realize they should be nicer to other people. And I think if it takes somebody literally taking their own life to make you realize you need to be nicer to other people, then there are some bigger problems to attend to. Uh, which mm-hmm. is really powerful. So, so you're the ex, you're a resident expert on teen bullying. Um, is there are there any positives to take away from this um, in addressing how deeply bullying affects affects teens? Oh yeah, I mean, I would say at the end of the day, they made a show that made waves and made people talk, and for me, that was enough. I mean, were there downsides to the show? Yes. But the fact that it got even people talking and it got the attention that it did makes me think that the show did do good things. And it did, you know, fill a void in a space that needed something like this to go on. I just wish that there had been more uh, substantial talk and evidence prior to the show coming out. And it made a lot of boys realize the effect of sexual assaulting a, a young girl and that, you know, they... If they go and do that, they're going to be they're going to be responsible for a pregnancy or a suicide, and that is a, that is you know a show like this is really the only way that we could get people talking about this topic. Um, have you seen any shows or films that you think have tackled the issue of bullying and or suicide in a better way than Thirteen Reasons Why? No. No. I don't know of any show that I've seen that talks about these topics, the level they do, and most importantly, the consequences that happen with things like bullying and social media. And I think it's because it's 2017 and social media has never been as important and thriving as it is now. So any show, you know, before this, you wouldn't really think twice about because nobody really knew what the internet kind of was going to be or what it was going to become until I think within the past 15 months. Yeah. Well, then there's definitely a need for content creators to try and find yeah. a more effective way to, to deal with these issues in a way that is both entertaining and a little bit more responsible to its target audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, circling back to you and your ultimate goals, uh, what is your ultimate goal for working in the social media space and your ultimate kind of message that you're looking to spread? Yeah, for me over the past year, I've really worked on rebranding from fashion, you know, fashion blogger, just because that is so superficial for me. And I've realized that there is nobody in the space who is a relatable, real young girl who didn't come from anything who really is following this authentic dream, trying to talk to other teens. So the overall message and mission is really just following your dreams and really loving yourself and embracing who you are on the inside and the outside. Um, And then with the nonprofit that I have, we talk so honestly and openly about body image and eating disorders and, you know, the stigma behind mental health. And I really want that to become 
the new kind of dare for social media, you know, and five years from now, 10 years from now to have to have every school be talking about sex ed. That's really important to me and body image and eating disorders and mental health. And hopefully more shows like 13 Reasons Why will come out. Um, so that's really my goal is to just kind of build this empire. It's such an awesome mission. I'm I'm so happy to have you on the case for our youth. So important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much uh, for rejoining us and uh, and for your perspective. And this was just so fun. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. And I can't wait to see it so I can share it too and have everybody tuning in to Becoming New Clams. Loving their clam body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to the clam bake. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. Just a couple of vaginas talking. What's a creative podcast network?